For an adventure in one of Europe's most charming small countries, try a few days in Slovenia. Hi, I'm Rick Steves, and our tour guide friends from Slovenia are here to get us right up to date on their fascinating country. Slovenia, not Slovakia, is on the sunny side of the Alps, and it escaped the recent violence in the Balkans. It's long been an easy getaway for its Italian and Austrian neighbors, and now Slovenia is becoming known to American visitors looking to spice up their European itineraries. Slovenia doesn't really have much that's very famous. Gaily painted beehives, prancing lipizzaner stallions, rowdy casinos, polka weddings, and a charming capital city few can pronounce. Coming up, Tina Hiti and Marian Kriskovic are here to answer your questions about their home country. And later in the hour, we'll take an insider's detour to neighboring Croatia, which has most of the dreamy coastline of the former Yugoslavia. Plus, we open the phones and emails for your travel questions. It's next on Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. If you're looking for the road less traveled, it runs through Slovenia. The mountainous, prosperous northwest corner of the former Yugoslavia escaped the violence of the recent Balkan Wars, and Slovenia thrives today as a delightful and sunny corner of Alpine Europe. Later this hour, our Slovenian tour guide friends, Tina Hiti from Lake Led and Marjan Kriskovic from Ljubljana, will join us to take your calls about their homeland. But first, let's get started with your questions and comments. 877-333-RICK, that's our number, and radio at ricksteves.com is the email address for travel with Rick Steves. Jenny in Portland, thanks for your call. Hi, Rick. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. <laughs> Good. What's your uh, thoughts on travel lately? Um, I actually had an embarrassing moment at uh, a wedding where um, I I don't know how many, I don't know which cheek to start with, and I ended up, like, kissing this person's boyfriend, like, on the lips three times, and I couldn't stop. <laughs> on the lips three times? Well, he, I kept going to the wrong side. Oh, I see. <laughs> and then he would correct himself. Let's both go to the left himself. at the same time. Oh, my gosh, it was to the left, to the right, to the left, and it was just, at that point, everybody was kind of cracking up. And <laughs> oh, that's funny. Was there alcohol involved? No, not at all. We so just... to the wedding, and I was being introduced to everybody, and this was my first, uh, it's actually, it was in Kent, in um, okay. England, and it was my first overseas wedding. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think of the Engli- English as doing the kiss on the cheek that much. Yeah, which was surprising to me, but everybody yeah. um, was very loving, I guess, and, and I, very know, warm at this point. To be honest, Jenny, I can't keep it straight either, and <laughs> I've got friends all over Europe, and I always start on my left, and this. On my okay. And, um, and, uh, but I don't know if what's right or wrong, but I, the confusing thing to me is, is it two times or is it three times? Exactly, two times or three times. Cause and in, and it, there's, there's definitely a right and a wrong way because in some cultures I do it three and they go up. You know, uh, you, yeah, you're too just, many. You must, you're thinking you're in France or Italy or something like that. But <laughs> thankfully, uh, they always cut us American tourists some slack because they know we're just wide-eyed and learning about all this and we're not judging people. We're just enjoying exactly. becoming temporary Europeans. <laughs> So kiss them on the cheek, kiss them on the ears, kiss them uh, on the lips, but uh, but meet those Europeans. <laughs> now, yeah, um, for, uh, since that tour, I actually uh, was able to uh, live in Zurich for for eight months. I took up a, a contract there, so okay. that was interesting. <laughs> and you were living in Zurich. Now, um, zu, there's a, a joke in Zurich: it's zu reich, too rich, and zu ruhe, too quiet. Uh, Zurich. Uh, is it uh, rich and quiet, or how did you find uh, Zurich? Um, it was, oh, gosh, well, what's, what's the PC word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, stoic, maybe, is, <laughs> is one of the words. Yeah, uh, but sort once of, you get to know them, they, they'll let you in, and they're little... Yeah, so that's uh, they're not um, overly um, open and, and casual at first, right? They're more kind of... No, uh, and the only day is a street parade, where ah, they just let they, loose, they, and it's crazy. Now, is that, um, do they have a carnival? In, in um, pretty much, to me, it's just kind of their, um, like, Zurich Pride, Hecho Pride, Gay Pride, Mardi Gras, all rolled Halloween. All rolled into one. All yeah. rolled into one. I've never seen anything mm-hmm. like it, because mm-hmm. they're, they never really have any facial expressions on the street or the trams, yeah. but once you get into this one day, it's, they let loose. <laughs> I guess there's a sincerity there that when you become a good friend, you are a good friend, but uh, everybody's not on a slap-in-the-back-first-name basis from the mm. get-go. No, it's very formal. It's All very right. formal, but they're good people. Well, Jenny, go over there and try to kiss them on the cheek, okay? I will. Thanks, Thanks for your for call. It. Bye-bye. Bye.
And we have Michael on the line in Seattle. Michael. Hi, Rick. Uh, great to talk to you. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Uh, I have uh, been lucky enough to travel to uh, about 40 countries in my life. I've been in the airline business, so I get a little bit cheaper break on travel, and, I, uh, and I've been lucky enough to get around through my work, and uh, I really enjoyed it. But I uh, have family in Italy in the city of Ferrara. I usually go visit them uh, every couple of years, and then after that I usually go somewhere in Italy and, or in Europe. And my next trip, I'm thinking of going to Croatia, and I wonder uh, if you have any um, advice on the modes of travel, boat, train, or bus, or the coastline, the mountains, or uh, what areas in uh, Croatia. Well, if you got family in Ferrara, that's just uh, about an hour or so south of Venice, Correct. right, right on the freeway. By, hour and a half by train. Hour and a half by train. Man, if you've got uh, family with a car there, you could uh, head on into Croatia, be there in a few hours. Uh, that sounds interesting. Um, is that a good way to get around uh, Croatia? I just drove from Venice to Croatia, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, you can go there by train, but the public transportation is pretty bad in Croatia. Uh-huh. And you would be driving through Slovenia, and it is such a treat to cross the border between Italy and Slovenia. That used to be Yugoslavia, right. and not even show your passport, because Slovenia is now part of the EU. Slovenia has a little tiny coastline uh, there in the top of the Adriatic Sea. Uh, they say there's something like... Uh, you know, two inches of coastline for each Slovenian or something like that. Uh, I forget exactly, but it's in that neighborhood. And uh, it's just a tiny coastline, and there's one resort town on that coastline called Pirin, which is a delightful place. I had a good time researching that. And then from there, you cross the border and you're into Croatia, and uh, it's a strikingly different culture from Slovenia. And Slovenia's worth a look, and then you get into Croatia, and in Croatia, you, you feel much more Slavic, and it's definitely a different spin. And if you're looking for something different, you've certainly left Western Europe. Excellent. I was in uh, Prague earlier this year, and I really enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, what do you think about riding a motorcycle through there? I'm a, I'm a motorcycle rider also. Oh, I would say you need to drive very defensively. Those drivers are pretty crazy there, but uh, there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of people enjoy motorcycling through the all along the Mediterranean. The roads are good in Croatia. Surprisingly, they've invested a lot of money in their roads, and a lot of the maps right now are outdated because uh, major new freeways have been added, and it it, it cuts uh, literally hours off of uh, otherwise uh, frustrating rides. Okay, great. I'll consider that. Yeah, well, good luck on your trip. Thanks a lot. Thanks for your call. Bye. Bye now. Erica in Philadelphia uh, emails us, and she's an anthropology student. Uh, her grandmother's taken her to the Yucatan as a graduation gift. She's concerned about her ability to climb Mayan ruins. I assume her grandmother's ability to climb the Mayan ruins and wants ideas for helping older folks enjoy the less touristy sites. Boy, when you go to the Mayan ruins, they are steep. And uh, I remember the the pyramid there at Chichen Itza. It was uh, the steepest um, pyramid structure I've ever climbed, and it comes with a chain. So you're taking these huge steps to go step-by-step up the pyramid, climbing this chain, holding onto the chain, thankfully, otherwise it would be too scary for me to do. Um, uh, It's tough. If you're not uh, in good shape, you wouldn't want to climb one of those pyramids. A good tip for uh, traveling with older people that don't walk very well, I think, is to hire a car with a driver. And that may seem like a lot of money, but uh, in the uh, developing countries, it's actually, I've found it's cheaper sometimes to hire a car with a driver than it is to hire a car without a driver and pay for the insurance. Something you could look into in your travels. I know from my experience, many very good guides in Eastern Europe are young, English-speaking college students that have a car and they hire out by the day with their car. And this can be not only a wonderful way for anybody to get around, but somebody who doesn't walk well, they have the convenience of having that car go door to door. I've got a friend who's a tour guide in Florence, and she's got a car that is licensed to go everywhere in Florence, including into the pedestrian zones. And routinely, she will take her customers, her clients who don't walk well, uh, on out the car window tours of Florence, and it works quite well for them. What would you like to talk about? Where are you going? What stories from your travels would you like to share with us? Send us an email. Our address is radio at ricksteves.com. Again, we'd like to hear from you. Email us at radio at ricksteves.com. Slovenia, I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. And right now, let's go to Yugoslavia. Well, we'll go to part of Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia's fallen apart. I guess there's still a little bit of it left. I've got with me in the studio Tina Hiti and Marian Kriskovic, both growing up under Yugoslavian rule and today proud Slovenians. Tina and Marian, thanks for being with me. 
Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about Yugoslavia for just a second. Yugoslavia broke apart. Your country was sort of got its independence in 1991? Yes, 1991. Is there still a Yugoslavia today? No, there isn't one anymore. It used to be for a while after the breakup that Serbia and Montenegro kept up a loose union, which was called Yugoslavia, but even them gave up the name about two years ago. So there's no more Yugoslavia. No, it's no. gone. Does, any, does anybody uh, cry about that? Oh, well, not really. We yeah. had time to get over it. <laughs> so maybe Tito's children, Tito's yeah. grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. Yugoslavia, that was sort of a, f- a made-up country. Uh, kind of there was a pan-Slavic movement that sort of led up to World War One, right? Yes. And Yugoslavia came out of that. It was a Serbian who assassinated the Archduke from uh, the Habsburgs, the, um, yes. visiting from Vienna. Yeah. And he was edu- agitating for more rights for Slavic people. It was basically to get away from the Austrian domination and the thing was, if we would come together, we would have strength in numbers. And so, that was important. So that was the pan-Slav yes. movement. And that was yeah. Yugoslavia means the union of the South Slavic people. Yes. That's right. There were many other <laughs> comparable uh, movements at the time that resulted in the creation of other countries, like, for example, Czechoslovakia, which as well broke mm-hmm. up. That's right. Uh, Czechoslovakia was uh, created 1918 also? That's right. End of the war. Yeah. That's right. Yugoslavia For the same reason as a stability ah. factor growing up in yeah. their region, Slavs yeah. uniting together to come down to ah. minimize the influence of the to German population. And, I yeah. see. To sort of band together against German dominance, yeah. 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 to put That's it true. in a crude sort of way. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. And uh, so the, the marriage of the South Slavs, the Yugoslavia, and the marriage of the Czechs and the Slovaks, Czechoslovakia, mm-hmm. lasted from about 1918 to 1990, 1991. And after that... What do we have there? Seventy-year marriage. It mm-hmm. broke apart. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and there's no more Yugo. Do they still make the Yugo car? <laughs> <laughs> well, they wanted to for a little while. Even one American company was kind of trying to invest, but it was a little bit questionable, so they didn't do it. <laughs> was it ever any good? Or I mean, it's got a terrible we reputation. Have, we have this saying, you know, Yugo is not for long, and it's kind <laughs> of nice in verse when you say it in, in our language, Yugo ni a dugo, which means Yugo is not for long. <laughs> Yugo means it's <laughs> sort of like a... Won't last very long. I got you. Now, when you think about Yugoslavia, the old saying was, uh, I forget exactly, but it was something like uh, six nations, five languages, uh, four religions, three alphabets, and uh, two something or other, and then one leader, Tito. Is that right? All true. Yeah, all true. But uh, really, I guess there was only one real Yugoslav and the one man who could rise above it. Yes. I mean, every other political guy would be considered, he's a Serb running Yugoslavia. He's a Croat running Yugoslavia. Yes. He was the only one who managed to balance it out long term, and it really worked. It wasn't through uh, through an oppressive measures or dictatorship. It really actually worked, and that was quite remarkable. Really, a fascinating man, and he yes. got he yeah. sort of got his start by uh, leading partisans against partisans against the Germans against Hitler. Yeah, against yeah. Hitler uh, during the, the Second World War. Yeah. Yeah. So in the early 1940s, uh, these guys yeah. guerrilla guerrilla fighters yes. up in yeah. the hills. And he was a true Slav because, you know, Southern Slav, because he was a mix of, you know, all was almost he? all the nations. And he then, you know, the nations that he was not kind of, you know, had in himself, he got married to one. and that's Oh, did he? Yeah. He, what yes. nation did it he marry? It was like mother was Serbian. from Slovenia. A Serb. <laughs> yeah, Serbian. Uh, a Serbian colonel, actually, yeah. to be exact. <laughs> a, a Serbian colonel. She yeah. wasn't very pretty. Yeah. But she was uh, very powerful in the military. Oh, yes. Very powerful and very strict. I bet that strict. turned on Tito. All right. <laughs> What's not to love about Slovenia? There's lots more coming up with Marianne and Tina. We're traveling with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines, with 4,000 flights to 250 cities in some 40 countries around the world every day. It's easy to book your next flight at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.
Bonjour, je m'appelle Arnaud Servigna, j'habite à Paris, donc je suis donc parisien et je voyage avec Rick Steve. Hello, my name is Arnaud Servigna, I live in Paris and I travel with Rick Steve. Je m'appelle Arnaud Servigna, j'habite à Paris et je voyage avec Rick Steve. Merci. <laughs> Perfect. Today I'm talking with uh, Tina Hiti and Marianne Kriskovic, who are former Yugoslavs. And now, can you say you're you're uh, happy to be Slovenian Slovenes instead? Yes. Yes. It's yeah. probably what it should be. I mean, this is a yeah. great thing right now. Is people nations are having their independence mm -hmm. in, in Slovenes. Um, I've got some callers in the line, and you can always give us a ring. The number eight seven seven three 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 Rick. Or you can always email us at radio at ricksteves.com. We've got Angela on the line in Sammamish, Washington. Hi, Angela. Hello. How are you? Great. Thanks for your call. Good. Thank you for having me. So we got a couple of Slovenes here. Any, co any comments or, or questions for them? Well, I, I didn't actually have any specific um, questions. I had just wanted to comment that my family had traveled to Slovenia and Croatia last summer Um, our, my husband and I and our two young boys, and we had an absolutely fabulous time in a part of the world that most people would say, you're, you're going where? <laughs> and, and not to offend anybody who's Slovenian, of course, but we, we felt like we had found this corner of Austria that nobody knew about, um, that it was, it was gorgeous and clean, and we found just wonderful sites that I felt would be blockbuster sites if you were, they were in the middle of Germany or something, but um, are undiscovered yet, and so we really, really enjoyed it, and I I hardly endorse the exploration of these areas because there's Great. a lot to find out there. Now, Angela, you said you yeah. found a little corner of Austria, and I think what you're getting at is it had all the charm of Austria, but it's just over the border. It's, 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 it's as beautiful as Austria in a nature kind of way, in historic towns and so on. You said, exactly. you, found, you, said you found some blockbuster sites that other people would, would probably very likely miss, and you think they should not miss. What were some of the highlights for you while you were in Slovenia? I think our, our hands-down favorite was the Predjama Castle, Um, this is a castle that has a cave underneath it that you can tour the cave and climb up these incredible ladders that if they had full lights in there, you probably wouldn't climb up them. Right. <laughs> But um, it was a great adventure, and they were perfectly willing to let our children go through with us. And then it was wow. a wonderful castle um, built up there way up on the cliff in the rocks. Um, we really enjoyed that one. We also enjoyed visiting some of the other caves. There's one, I think it's called Postoina Cave right. nearby. True. Now, now um, but before we go beyond that castle, sure. that is some, one of the most dramatic-looking castles from outside, isn't it? It's it it absolutely cliff. is. You come up upon this huge cliff oh. face, and there's this castle stuck y right in the middle of it. How old are your boys? Um, they were five and nine. They must have been nine. blown away by this. And my five-year-old thought he had been reincarnated in his ideal world. Oh, yeah, I he love really it. didn't <laughs> want to leave. <laughs> That's... I think he mimicked shooting arrows out of just about every window in the castle. So now that's just remember Slovenia is quite quite a small country. Yes, from the capital Ljubljana. Yeah, did I say that right? Ljubljana. 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 Say it again. Ljubljana. Ljubljana. You can drive. I would say almost anywhere in the country within an hour and a half or something like this. Yeah. Is that yeah. fair? That's that's yeah. right. And right. you can take a train from um, Salzburg and get to Ljubljana in mm -hmm. two or three hours. Less? Two hours? Um, a bit more. No, From Salzburg more, yeah. is about four and four, a half hours. Four and a half like hours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And to, the, uh, to Venice? To Venice, about the same. Yeah, about the same. If so. you rent a car, it's uh, just over two hours drive. Two hours. Yeah, so the, the point van. is it's close to where everybody goes. But as Angela says, almost nobody goes there. You didn't see many Americans there? We no. saw, we were saying, we called them free-range Americans. We saw no free-range Americans, in fact. The only <laughs> Americans we saw there were people who were visiting from military bases in Germany. Yes. Okay. And They we saw no one traveling on their own. Wow. And so. you took the boys to the cave, the Postojna caves? We did. We yeah. did. Those you, caves are, like, huge. They are huge. You ride this really neat, well, you describe it as Disneyland. That's a pretty apt description. You ride this little train that goes shooting in there at high speed. And, of course, the kids thought that was great. And then they liked to hike around quite a bit in there. Um, yeah. And it is gigantic. I had no idea oh, there was know, anything you, like that you, there. You remember the monkeys on The Wizard of Oz, those scary monkeys? Yeah. I feel like if they lived anywhere, they're in this cave. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. It that's is perfect. a huge cave. There's a couple of great caves, and uh, I've spent a day visiting them both, and, and mm -hmm. each are different and, and worth checking out. Where else did you go in the country? Um, we actually stayed on a tourist farm um, about 45 minutes south of Ljubljana, and we rented a car, like you talked about. People mm -hmm. were, we'd talked to were nervous about that, but it was just as easy as pie. We had absolutely no trouble at all with the car. It was very easy. And um, we drove, we went up to Bled, Lake Bled and the castle. Mm -hmm. um, we went to, I hope I'm pronouncing this wrong, Radovlitsa, where the beekeeping yes. museum is. The what kind of museum? The beekeeping museum. Oh, let's so. talk a little bit about that. I mean, this is a fascinating thing and a, a unique thing about Slovenia, isn't it? 
Yes, you drive through the countryside and you see these um, painted beehives just along the road, and actually the tourist farm where we stayed had one as well, um, where the bees come home and, and of course, make the honey and the, the farmers collect but, but it from let's there. Let's talk, uh, yeah. uh, Tina and Marianne, what's the deal with these fancy folk folk themes and all painted very lovingly on all these beehives? Well, first, when they started painting them, it was more for the religious purposes that people would learn something about it. And then afterwards, they would just put also some also local images, you know, like images from the daily life. And they said, if you paint the beehive, that the bees really remember which hive is theirs. Ah, so oh, it's cool. kind of a... So you, don't, you don't want to lose your bees. Yeah, so it's really quite interesting. And <laughs> I think it's a fascinating thing. Angela, did you get down to the Mediterranean coast at all? We did not. No, okay. we, we uh, not in Slovenia. Um, we did from Croatia. We so then, then you went with your family down into Croatia. Now, how, first of all, language barrier in Slovenia. You know, I've traveled all over, and um, I never feel like there's a real language barrier. Um, many people spoke English, though. Enough. Um, so you, you could do what you wanted to you do. You could, and I speak German, and that actually helped in a lot of cases as well, Good especially with um, older people. A and lot of and older people what about expense? German. I found Slovenian hotels about the same price you'd pay in Western countries. Uh, what was your take on the cost of traveling in Slovenia? Um, overall, we we actually felt like it was a little bit better bargain than Western mm-hmm. Europe. We stayed, like I said, on the tourist farm. I think we paid 75 euros a night for a family apartment that could have slept six. Wow. And with mm-hmm. breakfast, we thought that was a steal. <laughs> well, you know, and that it was isn't gorgeous. The word it was really soba? lovely. So. What's the word for bed and breakfast? In, in it would be soba or turistična kmetija which means a tourist farm. A tourist farm. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea to stay in a tourist <laughs> farm, Angela. So, and that was very useful with young children because, of oh, yeah. course, every morning they would jump out of bed and run downstairs to watch the feeding of the pigs. This was the most hey, exciting thing on the whole, the whole trip was the feeding of the pigs. Now, in, in, in Slovenia, you've got one of the symbols of the countries are these fancy hay ricks or these hay racks. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that, what, what's the deal with those? Is that just um, their traditional? Well, they're a unique part of the Slovenian um, landscape. They basically, it's a simple roof roofing, and there are these uh, wooden beams that you put the hay on to dry, and they're all over the landscape among the hills, among the mountains and the fields, and just kind of blend in perfectly, and you can find them only in Slovenia. Did you patent them or something? Because nobody else uses them. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder. Well, right now is a big revival, especially in the um, highlands part of Slovenia, of reconstructing them, because those kind of newish things to dry the hay are coming in, the mozzarella balls, and we don't really like them. Oh, yeah. So we think that it's important and essential that we keep the hay racks. And there's a big kind of a propaganda going on of revival of those hay racks, building new ones, reconstructing the old ones, keeping them so nice. So it's a literal yeah. rack that you hang little um, thin layers of hay on so yes. the wind blows yeah. through it and, and dries it out so the cows can have nice salads. That's true. Right. <laughs> Angela, do you remember those hay racks? We certainly do. In, yeah. in fact, we, we, you know, you see so many of them that my husband kept going, oh, oh, look, oh, oh, look. <laughs> so I think we came up with lots of photos. <laughs> so then you went down into Croatia. What was your experience in Croatia? We did. We had an amazing experience in Croatia. My mother's family um, came from there originally in the Ellis, Ellis Island heyday. And so we were able to visit some distant cousins in Dugaresa, which is just outside of Karlovac. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was an amazing experience to go through an area where the war oh, hit yeah. very hard and see a lot of the destruction that's still there and to speak with a family and hear about their experience was, was really an amazing thing for us. So even uh, two decades later or 15 years later or whatever, you can still see bombed-out villages and, and uh, destruction. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think uh, you know, a big problem is that simply the economic resources to be able to rebuild it just aren't, haven't completely made it around yet. What were the highlights for you in, in uh, Croatia? In Croatia, I'd say the, the two big highlights for us were um, Dubrovnik and then the Plitvica National Park. Yeah. They're as, both absolutely wonderful sites, again, with, with hardly anybody there. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I, it was funny because I just kind of, a strange thing happened and I smiled. I mean, I just couldn't stop smiling when you said oh, yeah. Dubrovnik and Plitvica. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. And Plitvica, it's this incredible wonderland, a watery national yeah. park with countless lakes, connect, terraced lakes connected by just a million little waterfalls. Yes, I'd never seen anything like that. And you can walk on these little boardwalks that are raised just out of the water all over the park. My husband, right as we walked in, he said, okay, I'll give anybody that sees a camera in the water a dollar. And not 20 paces later, I dropped my camera battery. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was mortified that I dropped it in there. But, um, but yeah, you can walk all around right over the water. And your kids must have enjoyed that. Loved it. Absolutely all right. loved it. Yeah. Angela, thank you so much for your call. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. All right. Bye now. <laughs> Bye.
We have another caller on the line. We've got Marlene in Eaton, Ohio. Hi, Marlene. Hi. I'm, I'm just thrilled to talk with you. Thanks for calling. Um, we're going to have five days to spend in Slovenia. Um, we're going to start our trip in Budapest and spend four days there, and then we found a really cheap flight to Venice. And we'll spend a couple days in Venice, and then we will drive to Slovenia for five days. What a cool trip. It's going to be wonderful. And we fell in love with Austria two years ago, and if Slovenia is anything like that, it's going to be fabulous. And we want to do maybe a loop around the country. Um, I had asked if anyone is familiar with – we want to see the architecture in Ljubljana. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say his name correctly, Joje Plechnik. yes. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. But yes. we've seen in an architectural magazine, it's a government housing project in Isola. Uh, yes, that's down on the uh, coastal town. Right. Is that worth a stop? Um, I'm not really sure because I'm not familiar with it. But okay. There are so many um, modern architectural developments and trends going on at the, at the moment. But I wouldn't really go out of my way to Isola just to uh, see that project, because okay. there's a lot of other things just to see in other places, like Ljubljana. But talk about, for, for Marlene's sake, the um, ar- architecture of... Uh, right, Jozef Plechnik. He's uh, an architect who was active in Ljubljana um, in the 1930s and the 40s, and really managed in that short time frame uh, give a deep impression on his native city, and was really much, very much appreciated during his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Suppose every architect's dream, and he really managed to create a very unique kind of architecture by blending these um, very uh, classical elements with modern styles and so on. So it can't be really classified with anything else. So it's he's kind of a, the the Gau, what Gaudi is for Barcelona, that's Plechnik for Ljubljana. So okay. he's quite unique, and a lot of pl- people come there. And just what, to see. So you go to Ljubljana and it is a uniquely uh, Plechnik town. I mean, That's it's, right. it's got his He's stamp on every step of the way. <laughs> and and it is a striking architecture. And as you said, it, you can't hardly put it in a, a box. It's mm. it's unique to Slovenia. And in five days, how would you divide up the time? Just just guessing, we thought maybe a day on the coast, two days or nights in Ljubljana and two nights in Bled. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that right. Sounds, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was looking at my Slovene yeah. friends, and they both kind of go, mm, yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. Good. Don't miss the Julian Alps area. That's just yeah. wonderful. And yeah. where do you live? I live very close to that, but <laughs> it's very wonderful, and it's yeah. also full of history. So, so we've got the, this Piran on the coast. You want to have one day right. in Piran, and this yes. is a, a gorgeous little... It's so fun to see a, a Slavic resort mm. on the Mediterranean, you know? And it's just, it's sort of, it's just different to have that because you're right across the way from from venice Mm -hmm. and uh slovenia has a very short close coastline what is it 30 miles or something it's about 30 29 miles they they say one inch per (laughs) slovene you got the coastline so you want to hang out there for a day marlene on the coast and then uh, what do you say two days in on on the way from the coastline visit the caves yeah Um, they are on the way yeah maybe just that farm in lipica and then you can go to ljubljana you know, spend the day there in Ljubljana. Now let's mm-hmm. talk about the stud farm in Lipitz. Yep. We got if the famous Lipitzaner stallions in Vienna, which was the uh, the royal horses of the mm-hmm. Habsburgs for so many mm-hmm. centuries, really. Yes. And uh, it just happens that they were raised in within the Habsburg Empire. And yeah. in the old days, of course, that was part of Slovenia. And then uh, Austria lost its international holdings. So the historic stud farm is outside of the country, but they still have the horses there, don't they? And they still raise yes, these great stallions. Them. That's right. They still raise them. They still train them. And they have the show so of Spanish Riding yeah. School. So, so you can, when you're in Slovenia, you can actually visit the horse. If you're into horses... Yeah, and we plan to. No, we wanted to do the caves and the horses. That's it's probably a lot cheaper than in Vienna. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And a lot easier. We didn't easier. do it in Vienna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you'd have your uh, big city experience in, in uh, Slovenia, and then you'd head on up to the lake, Bled, which is surrounded by these glorious mountains, and that's where you get the... Uh, dramatic, um, I think, yeah. relaxing alpine. All right. Thank you. And this has opened the view to some beautiful scenery, and if you enjoyed Austria, as you said, you'll certainly enjoy the sunny side of the Alps, if, as we like to call it. That's well, true, I, isn't it? It yeah. can be raining on the north, and it can be beautifully <laughs> right. sunny in Slovenia's <laughs> Alps. Well, I can't wait, and my heritage is German, and when we were in Austria, my husband was looking around, and he said, these people look like you, and he said, and they act like you, and he said, I guess really it is in the genes, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm kind of an anal, everything has to be done by the book person. Well, when you go to, you'll have a great time in Slovenia. Let me, hey, uh, Marlene, there's a couple of emails you might be interested in. Eddie from Long Beach in California wrote, and, and, and he said they were blown away by the fairy tale view from their lovely room as they, as they were um, at the Grand Hotel Toplitsa on Lake Bled. 
Is, Ooh, that a, okay. is that an elegant old hotel or do you know a this hotel? A very elegant yes. old hotel. It's the oldest one in Blit. Wow. Recently and renovated and many celebrities stay there. And the views, if you have the lake view room, it's wonderful. Is there a restaurant there right on the on the lake? Yes, there's mm-hmm. also a restaurant. Yes. Villa Presheren. Yeah. And maybe the the bet, the rooms there are even better value. So is, is that the restaurant on the lake? Yeah. Yes. So there's some nice restaurants if you don't stay in the fancy hotel that you can enjoy the view that uh, Eddie was talking about. Tim in Chattanooga, Tennessee emailed us, and he wrote that he found Slovenia to be one of the most charming places that he's ever seen. Very nicely positioned for casual traveler. It is quite central if you want to be side-tripping from there. Diane in Puyallup, Washington, emailed us, and she said, my husband and I traveled to Slovenia this past October for 10 days. They rented uh, apartments and uh, both in Ljubljana and uh, in the beautiful uh, resort of Piran. They found apartments were less expensive than the hotels in those areas. Uh, apartments are less expensive, but you have to rent probably for a week at a time. Don't yes, you? Mm-hmm. you would mm-hmm. need to rent because for a week. Because mm-hmm. is tough for a two-night stay or something like yeah. that. Oh, You're yeah. pretty much stuck yeah. in the... Yeah. Except there's a... There's a youth hostel that's quite famous in Ljubljana that was a former military barracks, right? Yeah, it's called Celica, and it used to be a prison. And right. it was after that, it was reconstructed. And it was reconstructed by a lot of famous architects from all around. And like every cell, you can sleep basically in a cell, old okay. prison cell, right. but it's all decorated differently. And it's even nice, you know, if you rent private room. Yeah, both Tina and Marianne have been very helpful for me as I research the chapter in my Rick Steves Eastern Europe guidebook, and you'd have the specifics on that there. Right. So you would recommend a night in Peron, two nights, or one or two nights in Ljubljana, two nights in Bled? That's right. Sounds That's about okay. right. Yep. Yeah. I think That's we all easy. agree on that one. Marlene, Thank thanks you. for your call. Thank you so much. Let us know how your trip goes. I certainly will. <laughs> okay, bye <laughs> now. Thank bye. you all. Bye-bye. Here I come, here I go. Magnifico. It's M-A-N-G-I-N-I-C-O. Magnifico. Vienna, Frankfurt, Germania. Roma, Napoli, Via, Italia. New York, Business, America. All around the world, my family. Is very popular, yes. There's more about Slovenia with Tina and Marianne, plus your calls coming right up as we travel with Rick Steves. 877-333-RICK, that's our number, and you can always email us at radio at ricksteves.com. I'm talking with uh, Tina Hiti and Marian Kriskovic, two friends of mine and tour guides from Slovenia. We have another Angela on the phone in Portland, Oregon. Hi, Angela. Hi there. How are you, Rick? Great. Thanks for your call. Great. We, I actually just experienced the trip to Slovenia and Croatia also, a consistent trip that I would recommend to anyone. Um, probably what I was most taken aback by is it's actually, I think, traveling around there, just even public facilities, specifically bathrooms are cleaner there than they are in the United States, which you kind of walk into foreign countries and you never know what you're getting into. We were pretty excited about that. <laughs> So you found it very clean in Slovenia. That's I, great. I was amazed with the, the cleanliness and the pride just of the people. Um, everyone's so proud of what, what they have to offer. And it's, I mean, it's rightfully so. It's, and the people are just so warm and welcoming. It was, it was just an overwhelming experience. Uh, walking into it, you just never would expect to see that hospitality. You know, and a lot of Americans don't even consider going to Slovenia. No, they don't. And it's, like you said before, it's such an easy hop. It's, an, you know, an hour and a half to get around the whole country. I mean, there's a ton of hidden gems to see, but if you want to see it, you can see it all within, you know, two days. A few you can days. really hit a lot of corners. And, now, and you were, how would you contrast it with the West? Because you came in from, I imagine, Austria or something like that. Actually, no. We flew into Zagreb. Ah. Um, am I pronouncing that correctly? Oh, Zagreb? <laughs> yeah. And um, rented a car, 
and then drove to Slovenia and then drove back through Croatia. All right. So our destination, that was our planned destination, was Slovenia and Croatia, but we have traveled around Western Europe. Do you have any questions for Tina or Marianne? Well, it's just to know what your feelings are as you progress towards joining the European Union. All right. Angela, I'm going to let you go because your cell phone's cutting out, but we will answer that question, and thanks for your call. Thanks. So what are your feelings, Tina and Marianne? You're, you're in the EU now, right? Are you on the way to getting the euro? Is this good for Slovenia? Uh, well, Slovenia yes. joined uh, the EU almost. This will be the second year that it's in inside the European Union. In January 2007, it joins the Schengen Treaty, which means there will be no more borders towards Austria and Italy. And it's also uh, adopting the common currency, so the euro as its legal tender. When will you get the euro? Uh, January 2007. Wow. And are, is that is this good for Slovenes? Or just does everybody say, "Yeah, we're going west, we're going euro," or, or is well, there some? Reticence? I don't think people really consider it being so bad or so good. We've always been used to just simply kind of uh, yeah. thinking in other currencies since re- in the recent years in the euro. So it won't be really such a huge change for us. Huh. So you're part. Of, you consider yourself part of the West, anyways. And there have been so many changes in the past years, yeah. so it's just adapting to those changes. You know, whatever used to it. <laughs> what, a, what a breathtaking time! <laughs> now, why Slovenia is a lot more prosperous than your Slavic neighbors? It seems. Why are you so lucky? What's the deal? Well, I think you know during Yugoslavia we had kind of quite a lot of important industrial, like the factories we had for some technical equipment. We did some little parts for cars, and you know. We have good textile industry, pharmaceutical, quite rich. Mm. So, and I think that was the base, you know, why. And I think, in a way, in the past, during the Austro-Hungarian monarchy, Slovenia was always under the Austrian rule, and we were kind of hardworking, you know. So you, I think you're more, yeah. you could say you're more industrious. Yeah. So yes. Part of that ger- whole Germanic, Germanic mentality kind of, of yeah. hardworking, being you punctual, know. doing right, you know, keeping your flower beds and your lawn proper. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be. Otherwise, neighbors talk about you. <laughs> in, oh, and you do. wouldn't have that farther south, probably. <laughs> no, no. Ah, that's very interesting. The further Less south you go, It just wears less. off with every Farther mile. south, yeah. nobody yeah. cares about how your garden is. Yeah. So yeah. You, you have a little bit of a standard <laughs> to keep up because this oh, is... Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's similar in your neighboring country, Italy, because in the north, you've got Lombards, and those are Germanic Italians, really. Mm -hmm. And that's where the powerhouse Italy is. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones where time is money, you know, and power lunches and so on. It's still close to Italy, so I think we kind of take the best of these two worlds. So that whole passion for life, you know, not losing the bigger picture perspective, uh, but at the same time, yeah, keeping it neat and tidy. Tina and Marianne, I was surprised at the gambling focus that you have in Slovenia. What's with all the casinos there? Well, they're not so much for the local population, but uh, it's more the Italians that are more mesmerized by gambling. (laughs) So they come across the border because they're not allowed to gamble in the province or city they live in. They have to go to another city or province. So if you live just close to the border, it's just you can bypass that rule and just go into Slovenia and gamble there. And actually, there's the town of Nova Gurica, which is just next to Gurizia in Italy. And it's becoming the new Vegas of Europe. Is that <laughs> there right? Are in fact, yeah. some hu- companies from Vegas, which are investing huge billions of dollars as we speak. To build. It's wow. kind of bizarre. Bit, bizarre. Yeah. Also yeah. interesting, <laughs> there was a huge battle in World War I. Uh, it was a, we never think about this front, or at least I haven't. Uh, there was a front between Italy and uh, the Slovenian Alps. That's right. Yes. Tell me about it was that. Mainly, it's it's the valley of the River Socha, as we call it in Slovenia. Or Socha. M- more Socha, people Socha, will yes. know it under its Italian name, which is the Sonso or the Sonso Front. So that's the place where Ernest Hemingway kind of drove his ambulance around, um, got hurt, went to Milan to the military hospital, fell in love with a nurse, and that's where the whole farewell to arms. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And what's the Italian name of the battlefront? Um, Uh, Isonzo. How do you spell that? Isonzo. I-S-O-Z-O. N-N-N-O. Sorry. Okay, Isonzo. Yes. Sanzo, that's now, right. the, the fast, there's some beautiful memorials because oh, yes. I think a million people died there. Within just one year, one million people lost wow. their lives in that very small stretch of land, which is today this one of the most stunning alpine sceneries. And it's so quiet, beautiful, and peaceful, and it's so hard to imagine that all of that was going on. That was the site of like the hardest battles in yes. that one year. And you, I can't believe it. When I went to the museums there and so on, the valleys were pretty much 
my, from my recollection, yes. left alone. And the fighting was up on top of these yeah. Alps. The That's fighting right. was all on the top of the mountains. And I'm not talking in a valley up there. Yeah. I'm talking on a, on a yeah. cliff. Oh, yeah. I mean, you Every cliff, every mountain was like a fortress of its own and with tunnels dug through yeah. it. And uh, the 12th Offensive came into the history book as the largest mountain battle of all times. Yeah. Uh, the largest battle, of course, that ever took on place on Slovenian so- soil and... Uh, Huge. I found that yeah, one of the most fascinating uh, military yeah. sites in all of Europe. Yeah, you know, in the past they said if you owned the top of the mountain, you know, it's... So that's where they yeah. fought it out yeah. in World War One. Now, I I don't think I can name more than a one or two Slovene people other than the two people who are sitting at my <laughs> desk. But there are some famous Slovenes. Uh, tell me, who are the people that are... Oh, yeah. T- tell me about a couple of famous We have Slovenes. some, we call them a little bit crazy people, but anyways, <laughs> because they like, we, we are like, we are full of adrenaline. And there's a man who skid down Mount Everest, um, Davo Karničar. He skied from the summit. From yeah. the summit down. Wow. First one. Yeah, first one who was on the skis. And then we have uh, Martin Strel. He likes swimming the long rivers. He already swam through Yangtze Kiang and also the Mississippi River. He's, He's planning the to do yeah. the Mississippi. That's right. Yeah, from Down, top to bottom. Downstream, I hope. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> of course. And this year he's planning to swim the Amazon. So wow. We'll see what happens. And then Dusan Mrolje ran across all the continents. And then we have basically one one um, guy wh- whose name is Jure Robic, and he was a winner of the Ram. That's the endurance bicycle race across America. He biked across America, Slovenia, yes. and he won the race. Yes, endurance. Yeah. How many yeah. How many people live in Slovenia? Only two million. Yeah. Only two million. <laughs> Under two million. Only two yeah. million. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And there's like 60 million Italians and 60 million Germans <laughs> and two million Slovenes. <laughs> you have a cute little country. Yeah, it's very cute. Yeah. I love Proud your country. <laughs> I've, been, uh, I've been enjoying my conversation with Tina Hiti and Marian Kriskovic from Slovenia. Find it on the map. It's not Slovakia. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Siva pot vadime kamor ho cesarci na gorinsko kier goriso vadime Siva pot I'm Rick Steves this is Travel with Rick Steves let me take you to Croatia Marian Dobrodan, is that what you say? Dobrodan. Dobrodan. Yes. Good day. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Say that in in Croatian for me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Hvala što ste nam se pridružili. Hvala. Hvala is thank you. That's right. See, you can learn a few key words, can't you? That's right. And especially hvala will open many doors. (laughs) Hvala. You speak very good English. Do you find English-speaking people in Croatia as a tourist? Of course. Uh, I mean, it's a required language. Uh, Pretty much all the kids... We'll speak English, uh, and we'll speak, apart from English, one or two other foreign languages right? as well. So just like the Dutch and the Germans and That's the Norwegians, right. you learn your languages. Croats are a very small nation, and it's really a necessity. It's not a luxury, knowing foreign languages. Now, Slovenia is... We're talking, by the way, about former Yugoslavia here. Uh, you know, it's been a little old history now, but a lot of people still think Yugoslavia. We grew up thinking Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. but really that was just a 70-year anomaly. And uh, these are historic nations, and Croatia is Croatia again. That's right. It is the most touristic part of the former Yugoslavia because you've got this dramatic, dreamy Dalmatian coast. That's right. When people were thinking of Yugoslavia, they usually thought of the Croatian coast. Now, when we talk about Croatia, first of all, is it is it safe to travel there? Is there any concern about uh, some any, any remnants of the war or anything like this? No, basically, it's perfectly safe to travel. Um, all the disputes over the civil war that happened in the 1990s are over and have been set aside. So it is perfectly safe. So Croatia is becoming quite a popular destination these days. Lonely Planet, the great guidebook series, calls Croatia the top destination in the world for 2005. Well, that was last year, but I think things are still hot for Croatia. Why do you think, uh, I'm talking, by the way, with Marjan Kriskovic, what do you think the appeal is to people? Why, why would they go to why would they all be piling into Croatia instead of other parts of former Yugoslavia, for instance? Well, Croatia was my f- most famous. Of course, when you think of Croatia again, you usually think of the coast. Of course, there are many other beautiful things to see there, but that's the most famous part of it. And for most part, the uh, Croatian coast made up like 80, maybe 80, 90 percent of what was the territory of the Venetian Republic. It was the Venetians who set those borders, which still exist today. So you would find beautiful, charming, 
towns right there on the coast, on the islands, which is, by the way, one of the most diverse coasts that you have anywhere in the world, with thousands of islands, beautiful oh, beaches, yeah. uh, incredible coastline and vegetation. Um, now, is this what we call the Dalmatian coast? For most of it, yes. What does Dalmatian coast mean? Dalmatia was um, a Roman province, and most part of the Croatian coast uh, just took over that name and it's called Dalmatia. Dalmatia. But it's not all of it. In the north, there would be the Istrian Peninsula. In the south, there would be Dubrovnik. But for most of it, it's almost Dalmatia. synonymous. When you hear that's Dalmatian right. coast, that's the Croatian coast. That's right. It's almost synonymous, yeah. Now, what's with all the nude beaches? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I uh, was growing up on an island where the whole nude beach scenario began. And it happened when... Um, Edward VIII of Britain came on his yacht with uh, his uh, future wife-to-be, Wallace Simpson, and he decided he wanted to uh, go skinny dipping. And he could not just do it. He actually asked for an official permit. So it designated a special area, special beach that became an official nude beach and still is today. And it just gradually spread from there. And there were a lot of Germans coming in traditionally as some of the first tourists 100 years ago with a very popular um, nudist movement being at that time in Germany. So it Germans are being into a, that. Yes. What's the, what, there's a YFK or FKK. FKK. Yes. So when you see FKK. Yes. That free, means literally meaning free body culture, Freikörperkultur. That's a German word. <laughs> That's right. Say it again. Freikörperkultur. Free body culture. That's Whoa, right. These Germans, look out. <laughs> oh, yes. So they, they just turned the Dalmatian coast into one big German nudist colony. Kind of. A, I mean, in the, in the 80s, the way you could tell the locals from the German tourists who were the majority was the locals were the ones wearing the bathing suits. Oh, that is that right? The main difference. Well, I got one tip. Skin that has never seen the sun is very <laughs> sensitive. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> Look out. You, you still see it today, but it's actually not as popular as it was, let's say, in the 70s or 80s. Kind of a went back. You know, it's, there is a, a backlash. Now, a lot of it is a concern about skin cancer, I think. Exactly. Yes. Right. Okay. But the king of England, what was his name? Uh, Edward VIII. Edward VIII. He started that's skinny right. dipping in the Dalmatian coast. Yes, that's I right. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. And he made it official. It was a huge He did it without breaking the law. It was an incident, but <laughs> he did it legally. <laughs> okay. We're talking about the Dalmatian coast, and that's the Croatian coastline straight across the water there from Italy, right? And uh, when you go to the Dalmatian coast, to me, it's a little confusing because there's so many islands. You got Dubrovnik. That everybody's yes. got to see Dubrovnik. Mm -hmm. Korčula, K-R-R-C-U-L-A. That is mm -hmm. the dreamy little uh, fairy tale medieval village on a, on a beautiful island, and everybody wants to go there. I was just there. It's a mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. place, mm -hmm. lots of great restaurants, um, wonderful little B&Bs and so on. And then Split is the the big city, the no-nonsense city of the coastline. That's right. And because uh, Dubrovnik is kind of like a, just a touristic fantasy on the water mm. there. But Split is a real place. I mean, yes. you've got a real economy there That's and right. a fascinating history because that was uh, Emperor uh, Diocletian. That's right. When he retired, <laughs> he wanted to go to the Dalmatian coast. That's right. He actually went, <laughs> he, him Skinny as well. Skinny dipping? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are no official records of that. <laughs> okay, but he built, a, he built a palace there. He did. He built an impressive, huge palace where he retired. Basically, the same palace still lives today from its, the heart of the city is still Diocletian's palace, still have people living in there. And it's just amazing how it organically grew from Diocletian's palace all to the present day. That's what all of Dalmatia's history and the Croatian coast is about. Still, for 3,000 years, a lot of those city communities living uninterruptedly, just fascinating to live, wow. to breathe, to live and walk the history right there on the spot. In this emperor's palace, Emperor Diocletian's palace, it was you can see the floor plan of his palace because it's the streets of the old town of Split. That's right. Wow. And from there, you can uh, catch a ferry very easily that hops from island to island to get to Dubrovnik. That's it's right. It's a beautiful day. Mm -hmm. That's right. There are different ferry boats. There are local ferry boats. They'll go to a number of different islands in that area. Or you can get one of the bigger ones that actually um, connects the entire coastline and going down now, to Dubrovnik. Now, Marianne, um, what, what do you think the highlights on the coast are as far as a little more offbeat island uh, town other than Korčula? Other than Korčula and the uh, southern Dalmatian coast, there would be the uh, island of Hvar, where it's a beautiful city, some magnificent beaches, lavender plantations. Hmm. Um, HV. Very. That's right, H-V-A-R, Hvar. Um, also, just across from Hvar, you would have the island of Brač, which is uh, quite famous for, uh, especially one of their beaches, B-O-L, Bol. 
uh, just a very famous uh, beach area. Okay, let's get off the coast a little bit and talk about other attractions nearby. Um, I suppose the if you go to the interior of Croatia, what would your number one stop be? In the interior, immediately off the coast, there would be some national parks. I would uh, rate as number one definitely the Plitvice Lakes, which are just stunning. Set of lakes going in terraces. Uh, it's basically 16 lakes interconnected by waterfalls. And it's uh, it's like just pitch, of, it's a fantasy land. Yes, I mean, it's just I was, beyond words. I thought I had seen the great sights of Europe, yeah. and I had been traveling every summer to Europe for twenty years. And I stumbled onto this Plitvice. <laughs> is that we say Plitvice? That's right, Plitvice. Plitvice National Park, and it's uh, sort of it's halfway between um, uh, Dubrovnik and uh, and the capital city. Zagreb. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's this Grand Canyon. Picture it with sixteen terraced lakes connected by countless waterfalls. And it is all laid out with these boardwalks. And it's just a fantasy land. And there's these old wild, sort of wild west or mountain lodges up there where That's you right. can uh, stay rustic, uh, Croatian style, uh, and then explore this incredible national park. Plitvica has to be on your list. That's right. Interesting to know, actually, that's how a lot of Europeans would imagine the States. <laughs> as Plitvica. <laughs> yes, it's being used as a backdrop for some very famous uh, huh. German production movies oh. on uh, cowboys and Indians. Is that right? <laughs> that's right. I wish it was so beautiful. I, I honestly have never seen anything... From a natural point of view, if you like waterfalls, like mm-hmm. Plitvice. You know, when I first was organizing our Eastern Europe tours, we used to go to Dubrovnik, but it was so hard to get out of Dubrovnik that we stopped going there on our tours because it was just a dead end from mm-hmm. a transportation yes. point of view. Since then, we've got the advent of discount airlines and a new freeway, right, that cuts That's all the right. way down. Exactly. From the capital, Zagreb, going down to Dubrovnik, and it's just amazing how much investment there's been in just in the recent years in the infrastructure, so it's improved tremendously. Great. Marian Kriskovic. How do you say thank you again? Hvala. Hvala. Happy travels. Thank you. Travel with Rick Steves is produced by Tim Tatton at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. There's more online in the radio section at ricksteves.com, where you can look up information on this and other programs in this series. Join us next time as we travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.